hunkering down with Peter Schorsch, is a longtime friend of the pod and my family, um, Mr. Brandon, uh, <laughs> Ron Pierce of RSA Consulting. Good morning, Ron. How are you? Hey, good morning, Peter. Thanks for having me this morning. It's great. I'm glad that you uh, that you uh, are coming on. I, I haven't seen you since session, uh, but this uh, this counts as me and you crossing the bridge to see each other. You don't have to come to St. Pete. I don't have to drive uh, all the way into whatever country Brandon is in now, uh, or East Hillsboro, or whatever it is. So, um, so tell me, what's been going on? Yeah, this is kind of the new norm, right? Between um, you know going and doing um, go-to meetings and Zoom meetings and everything else. Um, I mean, the good news is we're able to continue on um, you know, with, with a lot of meetings, but instead of being on the phone and doing things in person, we're doing a lot of face-to-face through Zoom and, and GoToMeeting. So um, so it's good being with you this morning and, and it's good to um, get, try to get back to normal here. I, um, I was reading an article this morning about, uh, I guess like Facebook, Zuckerberg said that I think 50,000 of its employees are going to continue working from home and that that is just gonna be the permanent um, the permanent thing. And I've kind of, we've talked about it on this pod. I've said, hey, listen, the corporations, they've invested the money now into setting people up to work from home, the people that could work from home. You know, uh, law firms have set up, you know, home computer systems, you know, everybody's got Zoom, everything, all that kind of stuff, security controls. They're not going to walk that back now and put people back in the offices. And in fact, you know, if they can downsize, if Gray Robinson can go from two floors in the, in that building in Tampa to one floor, you know that's a that's a hard cost that they would love to avoid paying. Um, you know, so with that, you're kind of in an ideal situation in a lot of ways. Like, don't you see people more moving towards the East Hillsboroughs of the world? The you know the I guess I, I've said like Pasco. You know, people they don't need to be in downtown Tampa anymore. They don't want to deal with the traffic, and now you can buy. A bigger house out in Pasco or Wesley Chapel or you know that kind of thing. No, absolutely, and I think you're going to see you know people's um, uh, mobility you know um, change a little bit from the standpoint of not having to drive from Brandon to go to West Shore or downtown Tampa to work. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. We've already had a couple of clients tell us, Peter, that if their if their commercial leases were up this year they probably wouldn't go back to having an office or they would definitely downsize. And, yeah. and I'll be honest with you from an RSA standpoint, we've even talked about, look, we're, we're just as productive as a team working from home. Do we need to be in the office five days a week? Um, obviously, you know, maybe you go to a Monday, Wednesday and Friday where we're in the office and Tuesdays and Thursdays, you're working from home and obviously is needed Tuesdays and Thursdays. You could, you know, go do meetings outside of your home if, if you need be. But we've even talked, Peter, about do we change the way we approach meetings? If we have clients that have relationships with elected officials, do we have to get in the car and drive 45 minutes or, or can you get on a Zoom or a go-to meeting and have that same conversation and save everybody the time from a travel standpoint? Now, obviously, if it's a new person that doesn't have a relationship with a client, you, you probably want to do that one in person initially. But I, I couldn't agree more. I think especially some of the large office buildings in the West Shore and the Tampa area, um, I, I think you will see some businesses kind of rethinking with regards to how much space they need and with, if their clients can do some type of a blended model of working in the office and also working from home. All right. So let me just take one step back. I, I, I do this all the time because I'm not like a, 
I, I still am not a professional podcaster. I'm just a talker. Um, <laughs> just tell the audience who you are really quick so they know who you are, what you do. Just give me a little, uh, you know, 20-second intro. Sure, no problem. Um, Ron Pierce, president and CEO of RSA Consulting Group. Um, we're a lobbying firm based here in Tampa. We also have an, also have an office in um, Tallahassee. Um, firm's about 11 years old, been in the political process for about um, just over 20 years, worked for um, a handful of elected officials in the process, as well as spending three years in-house with the Tampa Bay Lightning doing government relations with them before I started RSA. I think, you know, for the audience's edification too, I think you've just got such a great setup and size firm, and it, it goes to something I, I was just talking with uh jeff johnson about this yesterday about you know like i had referred some clients to uh, to take a they needed a lobbyist and i said yeah the top two or three they're in the newspaper you're gonna see those names a lot you know brian ballard's hanging out at the the white house but what people don't understand about the lobbying industry especially in florida and the metaphor i used yesterday was everybody runs a 4440 you know, this is the NFL and, you know, everybody who is in it, you know, and I don't want to say smaller firms, but firms that are, you know, just not as, you know, statewide, they're incredible firms still. They're very successful practices. Um, and I think you are actually at, you know, kind of like the top of even that. I don't want to say you're a boutique firm because you've kind of grown from that, but you've got a really robust set of clients. You've got a good geographic footprint. Everybody knows that like, if they're looking in this area, you know, you're one of two or three folks that you have to go to kind of, and that that's just a, an ideal setup um, in the industry. Sure. No, and Peter, I'm really proud of the brain that we've built. I mean, RSA actually has a brain now in Tallahassee. And I think to your point, I'm really proud of what our team has built. You know, we're obviously have a very, um, uh, we have a footprint in Tampa Bay. If you look at the, a lot of our client base, it's within the Tampa Bay area, but we do also have a footprint statewide. We have some statewide associations, and more importantly, you know, we've got some relationships with um, some key elected officials from outside the region, incoming leadership and other folks that I think are key. I, I think you nailed it, by the way. When we sit in a room with you know a potential client and they ask us, you know, you know, we're one of five firms that are interviewing. Look, at the end of the day, Peter, people hire lobbyists for two reasons and two reasons only, right? Number one their knowledge of the process, and number two, the relationships in the process. That's it. I mean, they, they want to know people that understand how to get things done in Tallahassee or D.C., and they want to make sure they have the relationships to be able to be able to do that. I think where smaller firms, I think, like us, for example, where we're able to compete is, I think our attention to detail, and we work hard. I mean, not that the bigger firms don't work hard, but um, I think the, you know, the value that we show to our, our clients on a daily basis um, is, is really, really key to make sure that it's not just getting value during committee weeks or during session, but it's really getting value from our team 365 days a year. Um, all right, so I, I, I love talking the this part of the lobbying industry. You were one of the first people on the ground with Uber, right? I mean, that was one of your signature, I, I don't want to say big clients because I don't know who uh, is big to you. You could have a you know, a developer or a pharmaceutical company that, you know, keeps the lights on. But you were on the ground floor of the Uber, of the Uber battle, right? We have been. So, no, we've, um, so when Uber originally approached us, it's probably been seven years. 
And originally they were doing it on a county by county basis. They really approached us because they were having some issues in Hillsborough County and the greater Tampa Bay area. Um, they did not have a statewide you know, strategy at that point in time. They came to us and said, hey, can you help us with the city of Tampa and Hillsborough County? And um, we were working with, you know, Gray Robinson at the time with here and kind of the I-4 corridor. And um, that grew into, we quickly realized that it's not just a Tampa and Hillsborough, it became more of a statewide effort. And so um, we ended up working with a statewide effort with Jennifer Green and, um, you know, took a, you know, two or three years to be able to get that done. It was a massive team in Tallahassee. I mean, it was a total team effort. Um, we were smart, small part of Uber's success in, in Tallahassee, but to your point, we were very, you know, when, I think just to show you how long we've been with Uber, Peter, is when they hired us, they had one government relations person in-house. Mm -hmm. um, now they have a couple hundred probably. So when they brought us on board, um, they were just enough, you know, they were just starting to go nationwide. Um, and I don't want you to get into specifics, but how has the pandemic hit uh, impacted your business? I know a lot of people are super busy, uh, but I mean, are you having to dole out some haircuts? Uh, what's it like on the front lines trying to, you know, keep some of these clients and things like that out there? Sure. No, and, and, and look, you own a business and so you know some of the challenges that, you know, all of the, what the, the has been created because of COVID. So number one is it was interesting because I came home from session on March the 16th. I came home that Monday um, after the um, that Friday and I didn't stay for the final budget vote because they were just voting on the budget at that point. And so we went from session mode right into COVID mode and we've been really busy. I mean, I'm sure you've heard this a lot from a, a lot of other folks, but trying to explain to clients what's happening and why. So like when executive orders were coming out, what does that mean to, you know, to that specific client? Um, we have some manufacturing clients who were being impacted or Pepin Distributing was being impacted. All the sports team we represent were being impacted. So try, try to interpret, it, interpret what was happening and why. You know, you had essential versus non-essential, trying to, you know, make sure that our clients fit into the essential bucket. We have a bunch of construction clients trying to explain to them what they can and, and can't do. So that's kept us really business and it really, really busy. But I will tell you, there's been a handful of clients that have faced some challenges. I mean, you know, we've got some not-for-profits that um, we're working with and deferring some payments and doing some other things to be creative. Um, you, know, we've, you know, we've had a couple of clients that, um, you know, they want to, I think, go back and probably relook at some of their contracts, which again, I think we're more than more than willing to do because at the end of the day, we're going to take a long-term approach to all of this. I and mean, we've got some clients that have been clients for a number of years. We feel like we're an extension of their team and we're going to, we're going to work with them. But, you know, Visit Tampa Bay is a great example of that. Visit Tampa Bay, um, you know, Santiago um, Carrada over there and his team, they've had to make a number of staff reductions because one of the biggest things are funded within is, is bed tax dollars within Hillsborough County. Well, when people aren't staying in hotels, there's no bed tax dollars, which translates to their budget's going to be dramatically impacted. So trying to be creative with them, create opportunities. You know, one of the things we've been trying to do is set up opportunities where you know, we'll be doing calls with clients. We had Danny Young on a call earlier this week where, you know, with all of our clients to talk about what Visit Florida is doing and the impact from a tourism standpoint and what that looks like. You know, we've had some calls with, you know, Wilton Simpson and Chris Sprouls and kind of getting their perspective of, you know, what it what what happens over the next two or three or four months as we head into um, head, head into 
potentially a special session, what the election season looks like, and how all that kind of translates to the 2021 session? Um, number one, I think you make a good point. Like, these are long-term relationships. If you've got somebody that you just signed up for session, yeah, I get that they may be going away. But if you've got a 10 year client, listen, you got to look at it. Like, do you want to, what can you do to keep that client for the next 10 years after that? And that means a two month haircut for a nonprofit, you know, you got to do it. I mean, and I, you know, you just, you just have to do it. Um, because, uh, you know, again, this is all going to come back. I mean, are there going to be some people that just, you know, that the business never comes back? Yes, of course. But you know, I can see what you're saying there. And then going to one of your other clients, or I think one of your clients or somebody you've had, Jeff Bennett, man, that guy has really stepped up uh, in a way. I, I get it. He's a wealthy man. I'm not, it's never easy. I don't see every wealthy person stepping up, but he certainly has stepped up even more so since the start of the pandemic, um, what he's done in the community to you know, kind of keep it together, offering, I mean, just uh, on so many different fronts right now. No, and I think if, you know, obviously Jeff Bennick is a pillar in our community and he's sincerely concerned, by the way, about like when the unemployment system in Tallahassee, there was issues, he was asking for updates there, kind of get understanding what was happening and why, and making sure that, you know, through the lightning and, and through his family foundation, he was then providing opportunities to make sure that people were at least aware of the opportunities they could apply for. If it was PPP, if it was other grants or programs that were out there for people that were either transitioning between jobs that were you know, being furloughed, people that had lost their jobs as well. So now he and his team have, did just, have done a fantastic job to make sure that um, they were doing what they can from a community standpoint for not only donating dollars to not-for-profits, but I think really educating um, people on what opportunities are out there through um, different avenues such as the Lightning. All right, so I'm going to give a shout out. Um, you know, we talked about it. Jennifer Green, you know, it's one of these things like I grew up watching David Letterman and you never know who's going to be the great guest. Yeah, you want to watch the big star that comes on. But, you know, you there's people that come on the show, you know, like Martin Short, the actor, uh, is always a great, he's a great guest that people have on, you know, his interviews with Seinfeld or... Jimmy Kimmel or whatever, just hilarious. Jennifer Green was such a great guest um, on the pod. We she, she was the longest pod I've had. I think we went for 55 minutes or something like that. And, you know, yeah, we talked a lot of policy, but um, I don't know. She was, it was just, I, she just started opening up and riffing and it was a, it was a really, it was a really good pod. You guys have a building together in Tallahassee, right? We do. Yeah, Jennifer and I, about three years ago, were able to um, do a deal together to, to purchase a building and um, it's turned into a great number one investment for both of us. But more importantly, allow us to work together and kind of, um, you know, come up with a you know, different opportunity, a different business opportunity for us to be able to work together on and kind of plan for um, our, our financial future together. Uh, when is the next time you think you're going to be back in Tallahassee? Like, uh, what does that look like? So that's a great question. Maybe June. I think we've got a client that's going to have an issue that may that that's on right now to be um, dealing something with a couple of offices up there sometime the, the latter part of June. Okay. Um, so most likely June. We haven't done any traveling since we've been home, by the way. So since I've been home on March the you know, March the sixteenth, we haven't uh, we have not left Tampa Bay. Uh, 
what is it? I mean, I know you make the fundraising rounds and you host fundraising. What does it look like in that area right now on the campaign trail? I think, you know, most most people have not been calling for dollars for obvious reasons. I think they understand that, you know, just obviously bad timing and, and they just they can't do that. I think June 1 really becomes the new date they're going to target. I think in June you'll start seeing some additional requests comes in to come in. But I think the real question, Peter, is going to be is, can, you know, can you do events? What do events look like? I mean, typically, you know, our firm does a lot of events around sports and concerts. I don't think that's going to be happening in the near future. So do some fundraising launches. Do your clients feel comfortable doing any fundraising launches? Do you do receptions? Do your clients, are they going to feel comfortable doing that? So... I think what we're probably going to pivot to to some, you know, some blended model where we do some smaller events with a handful of clients. Um, I think we've got some clients that are willing to do some meetings through um, Zoom or GoToMeeting, and so we can do some virtual meetings and, you know, have some elected officials spend some time that way, maybe collect some checks um, after that. But I really expect June and July the fundraising pace to to dramatically pick up. Yeah, I think, you know, you're just going to see reports another. At this point, what does it matter? You know, you can basically say, you know, hey, we didn't raise money during the pandemic. In fact, there may be a downside if you did post some, you know, outsized number during this period and then get into June, July. But, you know, it's, I don't know, 85, 90 days till August. I mean, you know, and if the election is, you know, mostly vote by mail, that means you got to get out there 30 days. So, you, I mean, we're getting into a crunch here in some of these primaries. Um, you know, it's going to be it's going to be very interesting. I think candidate qualifying week is the week at not next week because that's Memorial Day. I think it's the week after next, or maybe it's it's in a couple of weeks. I got to look at it. That is going to be very interesting to see. Um, I would not be surprised at two things. I would not be surprised at you know some interesting people dropping out. Like look yesterday, Oscar Brandon. Um, decided not to run for Miami Lakes mayor. And and part of it was, I think he thought he's done his time. He wanted to do something else. Maybe this wasn't the best time to go take on a new challenge. Um, you know, just talking with him a little bit about that. But then I think you're also going to see, you know, the metaphor I keep using is the 2005 Kentucky Derby, which I was at Geronimo, 50 to one, ended up winning it. And then I think another horse, was in the trifecta. Um, and I think the superfecta paid $600,000. You never know when these long they, shots are gonna- you didn't win it. I did not win it. I just remember it being loud for like a minute and a half and then it was extraordinarily quiet. And that told me uh, that the long shots had come in. I think you're gonna see a lot of Ger people putting a lot of money on Geronimo's. I think you're gonna see, hey, you know what? You know, the normal rules aren't going to apply. Why don't I just throw my name into this race and see if, you know, if it's going to be topsy-turvy out there, maybe I can pull off an upset because I don't think that the money's going to matter. Uh, maybe somebody's got a good social media personality and they're able to dominate that way. I just, I think you're going to see some, I think you're going to see some long shots come in. Yeah, and I think... And I don't disagree. I mean, I, I think that obviously incumbents are going to have an advantage because a lot of them raise money early. I think raising money early is important. Obviously, I'm sure as other people have been saying on these podcasts, look, campaigns are going to be different this year. I mean, you can't walk door to door. You're really going to have to work, you know, use social media and digital ads and 
in mail. I mean, you know, still one of the best ways to reach voters, you know, to make sure they're going to see your message is mail. So um, I think mail is going to be really, really important during this campaign cycle. I see, will tell you, I, I just want to point out, I, I like, I will, I will disagree with that, and I will say, mail scares me. It's like one of the things that, and I know, like the CDC yesterday said, it probably doesn't live on surfaces, but it is something that somebody brings to your house and drops off and it's been touched by other people. And I just think that, like, I'll give you an example. It's not gonna be necessarily me that it impacts, but you know, are they gonna bring the mail into a nursing home the way that they did, you know, last election cycle? I could very much see where, you know, and those are just vote, you know, little treasure troves of votes there, you know, does the mail get sorted differently now at the 200 person assisted living facility, nursing home, et cetera? And does it get quarantined over here or whatever? And does this pre-sorted mail just get thrown in the garbage or whatever? I don't know. I just feel like it's one of those new variables that we have to take into account that I, I think people are going to have like a, pho a phobia about mail at this point. Yeah, I mean, look, we're probably all doing it now. We go out to our mailbox, we get the mail, we bring it in. The first thing we do is probably go wash our hands. But, yeah. um, you know, but we, I don't know about you, I still read my mail, though. And I think the average voter, um, even if the mail piece is in their hand for, you know, 10 seconds, they're doing, the one thing they, they care about is vote for Peter on that on that mail piece and it gets tossed in the trash. But as long as they remember Peter's name, just building up name IDs, we all know. So I think, hey, listen, you're not helping me there. You're supposed to be saying, digital ads are the way to go for Canada. Like, like you're, you're not hearing me. Like Digital no. ads is the only way to go, and we have to use Peter for all digital ads. Right, exactly. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know how I'm supposed to alley-oop that to you more. Like, no, TV doesn't work. Mail doesn't work. Uh, <laughs> only only thing works is digital and phones. Um, all right. Um, did you, uh, just switching topics, did you watch, I know you're a big sports fan, did you watch Last Dance? I did, yeah, I watched it. And the cool thing is I was able to watch it with my 15-year-old son, who obviously did not grow up watching Jordan, so, um, you know, kind of going into it, we were having the debate of who was the best player of all time, and after watching that and, and spending some quality time with him, kind of talking about, you know, sports and basketball and leadership and, you know, all the things that go along with making Michael Jordan great, um, he was. He's now a believer that Michael Jordan was the best basketball player of all time. Yeah, I think uh, I, everybody who's talking LeBron, it's like, oh, I, I kind of get it now. Like Michael Jordan wasn't one of these, you know, slow old guys. He could come back in the league right now and would adapt and would be, you know, would draw. I don't know. I, I've seen people say he'd throw up 45, 50 points a game. I don't think that that would be possible. But I definitely see where he could be, you know, 42, 44 points a game with the way the game has changed in terms of how many three-pointers are taken and that kind of thing. Um, but, Peter, I will tell you, if you look at, I mean, what I loved about it, there was so many lessons learned from myself.